You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Well, good morning and welcome to uh, church this morning as we are entering, as we've already talked about, lockdown number, uh, number two. And I want to invite you to turn your Bibles into Psalm 90, the 90th Psalm. The year 2020 is finally nearing its end. It's coming to a quick close, and it has been quite the year. Now, um, a lot of good things have happened in 2020. You know, people have gotten married, babies have been born, uh, people have come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord. That's fantastic. People have been baptized to declare that they have become followers of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. A lot of good things have happened in 2020, and we should be quick to celebrate before the Lord all the good things that he has given to us in 2020. But I would guess that this is the case for most of us, that our collective feeling towards 2020 could be wrapped up in actually two words. Please end. Right? Many of us are thinking about 2020 and everything that's going on in our world and everything that is impacting us. And we're saying, oh, I'm just so done with all of this. I just wish it would just please end. And that's how many of us feel about 2020. And so as we think about the end of 2020, as we're very close to the end of this year, this Sunday and next Sunday, Lord willing, we want to begin and look at this great psalm, Psalm 90, and its key verse that is found in Psalm 90, verse 12. As we end the year 2020, and as we go into the year 2021, it's so critical for us to have wisdom. Look at what it says in Psalm 90, verse 12. Here's the key verse. So teach us to number our days, that we may get, get a heart of wisdom. This is a cry of the psalmist towards the Lord. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What the psalmist is saying in Psalm 90 verse 12 is, Lord, teach us not to just count our days, but teach us how to make our days count. So think about the year 2020, the year that you've had in 2020, especially the last nine months. These last nine months where we have gone through all of these different ups and downs in our culture, in our world, in our homes, with our families. Think about the last nine months and ask yourself this question. Have you been mostly counting down the days for this to be over or have you been making your days count? Remember Psalm 90 verse 12, the psalmist says, so teach us the number of our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And when he says that, he's saying, don't just teach us how to count our days, Lord, but teach us how to make our days count. How to make them matter. Make them be a difference. So today we're going to look back at Psalm 90, verses 1 through 11. Next week we'll look at verses 12 through 17. We're going to look this morning at three ways to make our days count. Now, this is not a to-do list. This is a heart checklist. As we go into verses 1 through 11, I want you to understand this is so important. 
What we're about to talk about is not a to-do list, things that we have to do. It's as much a check-in on an examination on our hearts here as we sit at the end of 2020. So Lord, teach us to number our days. How do we make our days count? Let's begin in Psalm 90, verse 1, and we'll see this, the first point. We, we need to make God our dwelling place. To make our days count, we have to make God our dwelling place. Look at what he says in Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. He says God is our dwelling place. Now, the word for dwelling place is the same word that's used for animals who make dens. It's where their home was. That was their dwelling place. Or it's used in scripture of people and their houses, the houses that they built. That was their dwelling places. In other words, a dwelling place is, is a place where you reside. It's where you go to seek out shelter and to seek out refuge. It's a definition of what home looks like. And notice what the psalmist says in Psalm 90 verse 1. He says, home is not a place, but it's a person. Did you see it there in, in verse 1? Lord, you have been our dwelling place. God is our dwelling place. He's not talking about a location. He's not talking about an address. He's talking about a person. And then he goes on, he says this, God is our dwelling place no matter where we are or whatever situation in life that we are facing. He says, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Now this psalm was written by Moses hundreds of years before any of the other psalms were written. Moses wrote this psalm, he delivered this song in Psalm 90 verses one and following, and he is declaring for us, you just think about all the different situations that, that Moses is thinking about. He had thought about the nation of Israel and how that they were in slavery in Egypt, and then he could remember the Exodus experience where God took, allowed him to lead the nation out of Egypt, and then they finally made their way into the wilderness and they wandered around the wilderness for some 40 years. He knew about the promised land, the promised land that they, were, that they were going to get, that he never got to see, but they were going to receive. And he says in, in all generations, in, in every situation, whether it was in captivity, in the wilderness, or in the promised land, or whether they were in their houses, in all of those situations, he says, God, you have been our dwelling place. Not a tent, not a house, definitely not Egypt. He says, Lord, in all of those situations, you have been our dwelling place. God is our dwelling place. This is both an encouragement to us and it's also an exhortation to us. Both an encouragement and an exhortation to us. Just think about the year 2020. Ask yourself this question. Has God been your dwelling place? Many of us have faced fear this year. Many of us have faced feelings of anxiety and uncertainty. And we have longed, all of us have longed for an ongoing security and a sense of refuge. 
But has God been our dwelling place? The place that we have run to during this time, the place where we have run to, the person we run to, to seek out security and refuge. So many times, so many times in my life, and I'm sure you would agree with me, so many times in our lives, instead of going straight home to God, we go to other places to seek out security and to seek out refuge. Do you know that pet sales are sky high now uh, during the pandemic? Dog sales are, uh, and adoptions are higher than they've ever been as people try to replace the void with their void in their life with man's best friend. Now, I, I don't want you to think that I'm not a dog lover. I am a dog lover. But it's just a reminder to think that, wow, one of the things that when things like this happen in our world, how people seek out different kinds of things. Some of us have done that. Some of us have sought maybe even escape. There are people when we have been confronted with these last nine months that just say, I just won't have anything to do with it. I'm going to retreat from it all. I just want to get away from what's happening. Others of us have immersed ourselves in distraction to try to survive. We've binge watched on Netflix or we spent more time online and video games. And, and I would dare say that even some of us are even medicating the pain that we're feeling. Some of us maybe, some of you that are even watching online this morning, maybe you are in that situation where you're medicating, you're trying to numb the pain that you're feeling, the loneliness that you're feeling. All of these things, all of those things, they all have a shelf life. They all have an expiry date. They don't lead to true satisfaction. Only God does that. He is our security. He is our refuge. He is our dwelling place. The refuge and shelter that lasts is found only in God when he is truly the place that we dwell. You're always going to be seeking for something else until God truly becomes your dwelling place. And the reason why he is our dwelling place is because he's always been the dwelling place. Look at what it says in verse 2. Verse 1 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I mean, before the foundations of the world, there was God. There's never been a time, there's never been any moment when there hasn't been God. From everlasting to everlasting. Buzz Lightyear might put it this way, to infinity and beyond. And then we would respond, God. God is the one who has always been. He is the one who has always been before we were God, before the mountains, God, before anything that we live on or with, God. He is the one who is truly, he is the true dwelling place, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, together for all of eternity, from everlasting to everlasting, God. God the Father has always, always loved the Son through the Spirit from everlasting to everlasting, always. And when I read Psalm 90 verses 1 and 2 and I'm reminded of the fact that God is our dwelling place because he has 
always been the dwelling place. I'm reminded of the relationship that the triune God has. The Father loving the, loving the Son through the Spirit eternally. And here's the beautiful thing. Here's, this is so awesome. Jesus, Jesus, the incarnate Son, the one that we have just celebrated at Christmas, the one who came to this earth, came to this earth to redeem us so that we could, we could experience this relationship, the relationship that the triune God has, a kind of love that the Father has for the Son. We get to experience now in Christ. John 17, verse 24. Jesus says to his Father, you love me before the foundation of the world. And he says in the verse right before that, in John 17, verse 23, he says, the Father loves us like he loves his Son. This is what makes John 1, 12 so awesome, right? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Just look at that verse just for a moment. But to all who did receive him, if you're in Christ, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have believed in his name, you now have the right, you have been given the right by God himself to become his children. What did Jesus do for you? He brought you into the same kind of relationship that the Heavenly Father, His Heavenly Father had with Him for all of eternity. The same kind of love that the Father has expressed towards His Son, He now expresses towards you. God is our dwelling place. God invites us into this everlasting relationship that's secure, it's a place of refuge. The same love that the Father has for the Son, the same eternal love that the Father has for His Son is the love that He gives us in Jesus Christ. Your days count when you make God your dwelling place, when you seek out that relationship that He has with you. That's why Psalm 71 verse 3 says this, be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. That, uh, be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. So think about 2020. Think about 2020. And all the things that you have faced, all the ups and downs that we are facing right now, the twists and the turns, Another lockdown. Uncertainty about what's going to happen next. Is God your dwelling place? Is he? Is that what Jesus meant when he said in John 15, when he talked about abiding in him? That's what we need to do. We need to abide in Christ. We need to dwell with God. So Father, forgive us. Forgive us when we don't long to make you our dwelling place. When we seek refuge in other people and other things. When we try to find that lasting refuge in things that don't last. You are our dwelling place. 
Forgive us, Father, when we don't abide with you, when we don't abide in your word, when we don't abide in prayer, when our lives are not a prayerful act of worship to you every single day. Forgive us, Father, when we take for granted the love that you have for us, the exact same love, the same kind of love that you had for your son you now have for us because we are children of God. In Christ, children of God. Teach us to number our days, Father, to make our days count by dwelling with you. God, I just pray. I just pray as we kind of reflect on that, we think about the last nine months. Has that been true of our lives, Father? May it be true of our lives today. That's the first thing that, that Moses reminds us here in verses 1 and 2. He says, make the Lord your dwelling place. And then here's the second thing. If you really want to make your days count, you need to live like your days are numbered. Do you know that God has numbered your days? He has. Look at what it says here in verses 3 through 6. He says, you return, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Then just jump down to the beginning of verse 10. And just read, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Right? Our, our days are numbered. Do you know, in 1961, the year that I was born, okay, it was such a good year, right? 1961, the year that I was born, the life expectancy of a male in Canada was 71.35 years. In 2017, okay, in 2017, that life expectancy has grown to 82.25 years. And I can, I can hear you, I can hear you at home going, wow, that's awesome. Like we were actually, we're living longer. And that may sound like a long time for some of you. But I want to tell you this, it's not. It's not a long time. In just over 10 years from now, I am going to be Psalm 90, verse 10. The years of your life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. I'm going to actually fit into that category in Psalm 90, verse 10. And for some of you, that sounds like a long time. It's not a long time. In fact, I am wondering right now, where in the world did all the years go? How did this happen so fast? Where's it gone? And here, Moses reminds us as he's writing this psalm that the numbers of our days are short. They are brief. We don't know how long we actually have. Only God does. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. That a reference to dust takes us back to Genesis chapter 3. Verse 19, where he, where he reminded him in the curse section in Genesis chapter 3, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Speaking to Adam, that they would experience the curse of sin that would lead to death. In verse 4, he says, for a thousand years in God's sight are but as yesterday. In other words, a thousand years. Just think, a thousand years. Well, that sounds like a long time. I mean, 82, maybe not that long, but a thousand years sounds 
really long. Well, to God, that's nothing. It's nothing. It's just like yesterday. A thousand years, boom, just like yesterday. Or it's like a watch in the night. It's like an eight-hour shift at Starbucks. Gone. That's what a thousand years is like to God. He says in verse 5, he says, you sweep them away as, uh, as with a flood. In other words, as fast as the flood comes, it goes. That's what our life is like. As fast as it comes, it goes. It's like a dream, he says in verse 5. Remember all the, all the dreams that you had last night that you can't even remember. Exactly. That's what our life is like to God. It's, it's, it's gone that fast. It's like grass, he says in verses 5 and 6, that grows in the morning and then it dies by night. What's his point? Life is brief, it's short. It's brief and it's short. And God is the one that has numbered our days. I don't know if you noticed this, but in verse 3 he says, you return man to dust. In other words, it's God's action. In verse 5, you sweep them away as with a flood. God is doing this. It's his action. God's the one that has numbered our days. He's numbered your days. And you will make your days count when you live like your days are numbered because they are. They are numbered. We are not God. God is from everlasting to everlasting. We are not. Our life ends and it ends at any moment. Look at what James says in James chapter 4, verse 14. He says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are as a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Little mist, just puff, just a puff, a little mist of air. That's it. And then you're gone. Kind of makes you wonder why we're working so hard at leaving a legacy, you know? Why are we, some of us, working so hard to have people remember us? Do you not, do you not know that, that we won't even be a footnote in history? That's our life comes, it goes, it comes. It goes, it's brief, it's short. Father, forgive us. Please, Father, forgive us. Forgive us when we live our todays as if they will last forever. Father, forgive us when we live with the illusion that somehow we are in control. Father, forgive us when we're more concerned about our own reputations and our accomplishments than, than, than yours, than you being able to receive all the glory with our lives. God, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. Teach us to number our days. Help us to make our days count. Teach us how to live like our days are numbered. They are. May we serve you with every single moment of our lives because we have no idea how long our lives will last. 
Teach us to number our days. Because they are numbered. And I think 2020 has reminded many of us of that. Life is brief. It is short. So Lord, teach us how to number our days. And here's the third thing that he says here in Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Not only should we consider the brevity of our life, but we should also consider the seriousness of our sin. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, For you are brought to an end by your for we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? He tells us here in verse 7, he's telling us to consider the seriousness of our sin. If you want to make your days count, you need to consider the seriousness of your sin. And in verse 7, he said, he reminds us that God judges sin. Do you see what he says? Look, just go back there. Look in the text in verse 7. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. Now, God loves us. There's no doubt about that, that God loves us. You can read through God's word. He loves us. Yes, he loves us. He is also holy, and he is just, and he is righteous. He is all of those things all at once. And because he is all of those things all at once, he must and does judge sin. Verse 7 reminds us of that, that God judges sin. And then verse 8 reminds us that each one of us has a sin problem. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence, he says. All of us, all of us have sin in our lives. That's any attitude, any thought, any action in our lives that oppose the character of God and does not meet the standard of God's word. By nature, we oppose God. We know this because we continue to build idols like success and power and pleasure, and we put them in the place that rightfully are deser- is deserved for God in our lives. These sins sometimes are not always obvious to other people around us, and sometimes they're not always that obvious to us. But don't forget this. They're not secret before the Lord. The Lord knows. No sin ever escapes the evaluation of God. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us is, without, is with excuse. You see, each of us has this sin problem. We know that's true. And we're just honest with ourselves. We know that's true. We all have sin problems. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he says this in verses 9 and 10, that there are consequences for that sin. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh, he says. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. We 
we live under the curse of sin. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered into the world. But one of the results of that, the consequences of sin in the world is that we live under the curse of sin. Life is difficult and we all die. No one escapes that. No one escapes that judgment. And the death that he speaks of here is both physical, and, but it's also spiritual, eternal, separation from God. Here's the thing. Verse 11. Verse 11. Oh, man, look at, look at it. Look at verse 11. He asks this question when he comes to the end of his argument in verse 10. He asks this question. He says, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? It's a rhetorical question that he's asking. The answer is he's trying to show us that many of us never stop long enough to consider the seriousness of our sin and the consequences that are resulted of that sin. There's a connection between our sin and God's judgment. That's how you make your days count. You make your days count when you see that there's a connection between your sin in your life and God's judgment. It's foolish for us, verse 11 reminds us, to not consider the connection between God's judgment and sin. In fact, this is an urgent reminder for us as we end 2020. It's such an urgent reminder. But some of you maybe are maybe watching online and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. Please listen to these words very, very carefully. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. That's bad news. If we die and we are not in Christ, judgment. But here's the good news. Jesus, the incarnate baby who came to this earth, he actually came to save his people from their sin. He came to redeem us. God with us came to redeem us, to pay the price for our sin, for my sin and for your sin. That's why he went to the cross. His death on the cross actually meets the demands on, of God's judgment. He took on God's wrath on us. He took our place. He substituted. He took our place. This is such great news. And here in the year two, 2020, we know that life is brief. We know we live under the curse of sin, that disease that ultimately leads to death. And yet, in the midst of it, we are being invited through God's word. We're being invited through God's word, through faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ, into an eternal relationship with God. Repent. Change your mind. Turn back towards God. Repent of your sin and seek forgiveness from God before it's too late. Place your faith in Christ and the finished work of Jesus Christ for you on the cross before it's too late. You say, why are you so worked up about that? Because of verse 11. Who considers the power of your anger or your wrath according to the fear of you? Who considers that? 
We all must consider that. The reality is so many of us don't consider that. And so if you want to make your days count, you consider the seriousness of your sin and then revel, revel in the beauty of the fact that Jesus Christ took your place. Come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now. And some of you, some of us, many of us who are watching uh, this today, you, uh, you claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you that while the grace of God has saved you through faith in Christ, it's not a license for sin. Romans 6 verses 1 through 2 reminds us of that. God is still opposed to sin. Our holiness matters to him. He disciplines those he loves, Hebrews chapter 12. And the good news, the good news is, is this, that if, if you are saved by grace through faith, then that means that you have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. 2020 has been like a phenomenal year. We have uh, pivoted more than we wanted. We have endured unprecedented times longer than we desired. But 2020 has revealed some things in our hearts. It's revealed things in our hearts. It's revealed fear. It's revealed anxiety. It's revealed apathy in some of us. And even in some of us, it's revealed anger. Perhaps these were small cracks in your heart before 2020. These just little cracks in your spiritual hearts in 2020, before 2020. But through the stress of this year, these small cracks have now become larger cracks to the point of maybe almost breaking for many of you. And I see that, I see that in my own heart, and I see that in how we are relating to one another as the church of Jesus Christ. You know, as I reflect on these great words in Philippians chapter 2 that reminds us that we are supposed to have the mind of Christ in humility considering others more significant than ourselves. Or Ephesians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul writes, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, we're supposed to bear one another, up one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What is, what is God revealing in your heart right now? God still opposes sin. Father, convict us of our sin. Lead us to repentance. Forgive us of our sin. Oh Lord, please do not let us just count down the days for when all of this will be over, but please let our days count. And I am certain, because I know this has happened in my own life this week, God must be revealing to you matters in your own hearts right now. So, Lord, teach us to number our days so we can get a heart of wisdom, so we can make our days count. Repent. Repent. Make God your dwelling place. Consider the seriousness of your sin. Consider the brevity of life. 
and be awed by the grace of God that is found only in Jesus Christ. Let's just bow for a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Father, I just we want to take just a moment right now to respond to your word. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Let us be the ones who consider the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you. Yes, Lord, let us consider strongly right now these words. So if you need to repent, repent. Is God your dwelling place? Are you living like your life is actually going to last a long time? In reality, you have no idea. Are you seeing the fractures in your heart? Are you seeing the sin that's there? So Lord, right now, I just pray that as we just quietly reflect, reflect for just for a few minutes and as we, re, we cry out to you, God, would your kindness to us lead us to repentance? May your grace lead us towards forgiveness. Please, Lord, listen to our prayers. Cry out to the Lord now. Father, teach us to number our days, to make our days count. May we come running to you. God, I just pray that you've heard prayers of repentance and praise and worship to you. God, would you please allow us to make our days count? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.